Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word. In your son's name, amen. Now you could note from the bottom of the sermon notes, if you don't have them in there in the back in the foyer, the narthex, it says Merry Christmas. It's the 20th of December. And uh, as always, as I looked over my notes, that I, I have felt that compulsion of every pastor to say something Christmassy. So you're noting the top, it's Luke 2. It's not Luke 1. It's not the real Christmassy Peanuts Christmas special passage. The baby Jesus in a manger. I wanted to, but it had been too many, too recently I'd been in that. And I was looking at Luke 2. There was something that was interesting to me. Now, you don't have to agree with this, but um, if you're familiar with the... Uh, Gospel of St. Luke. Earlier, you have the Magnificat in chapter 1 of Mary. You have the Benedictus of Zechariah. Uh, these, these, these hymns, these personal prayerful hymns of Mary and Zechariah regarding the baby Jesus and the baby John the Baptist. God's promises being fulfilled. But I don't know if you've read through them and gone, you know, they're not quite up to speed. I, I mean, I like the Blessed Virgin. I mean, she seems like a great... I mean, God had a high opinion of her. But you look at the content of what she's saying about the blessing done to her. It's kind of general. It's true. It's all true. It's kind of general. Same with the, the, the Benedictus. By the time you get to Luke 2, there you get the presentation of Christ to the temple. Shortly, you know, 40 days after he was born. And you have the reaction of St. Simeon. And that's, you get to say, okay, this guy's got Christianity on his mind. That's before Christianity. But you can see, you, you start to say, I can track with what he's believing. There wasn't enough detail in the, in the Magnificat. There wasn't enough detail. Maybe they weren't about that. They were about magnifying the Lord and, and blessing the Lord. Not so much talking about what Jesus was there to do. Luke 2.22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle loves or two young pigeons. Now, oddly enough, Luke, who's not even a Jew, goes to some lengths to describe what we're dealing with here. Maybe because his audience is not Jewish. So he's, he's citing his references. One is out of Exodus regarding God's claim to every male, every firstborn male, because he did not kill the firstborn male of the Jews when they were let out of Egypt. So he laid claim to the firstborn of every beast and every uh, family. Shall be holy to the Lord. And then he quotes out of Leviticus 12.1, 
the passage about the purification of mom and the parents after the birth of a child. It's 40 days. Why did I put up 40 days for uh, a boy child, 80 days for uh, a girl child. Um, you can take that as you will. Maybe girls are better because they got more. I don't know why it's there. But they'd have to go be in their purification. They'd have to be in their purification for a total of those days. Now this is one of the ways we know when Jesus was born. Okay? Because of that reference. Because when the time for their purification came, they went to Jerusalem and purified Mary. It's Mary that's being purified. Forty days after he was born. At the end of this passage, at the end of, I don't have all of this portion of Luke, they leave Jerusalem and go back to Nazareth. This means the trip to Egypt and back happened in the first 40 days. Because in Matthew, they come back from Egypt to Jerusalem and then to Nazareth. And in Luke, after the purification, they go to Nazareth. So in the first 40 days, so 40 days for a boy child, you, it's an easy walk. I mean, it, it's like uh, from here to Spokane to go from Bethlehem to Egypt. Okay, it's not that far a walk. And you could walk it in a week. And so they get down to Egypt, then they hear Herod has died, and then they walk back. Now, we know Herod died in 4 BC, and we know he died in March of 4 BC. So that's how we know that Christ's birth was within that, you know, a month, a half a month of that day, not 25th of December. Well, that was helpful for Luke to put that in. You can read the portion out of Leviticus 12 there on the side where it tells you, and we know that Joseph and Mary are poor because they select, and Luke is clear, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That is when they can't afford a lamb. It says that in Leviticus 12. So you get a lot of information. Just from this, a couple of remarks, a couple of citations made by St. Luke. Herod the Great is dead. This is also the visit to Jerusalem where they find out that his um, uh, son Archelaus is in charge and they decide not to stick around and that's why they leave. But in this moment, in this moment, it's not merely, we don't have this story in, in Matthew. They get to the temple and God has been preparing the way in the temple for this moment. And you stop and you say, you say, I can understand why Mary, who is going to be the mom, the angel comes to her, the annunciation happens, she does the nine months, and boom, she has the child, and all the angels show up, and the wise men. You can understand that. But this is, St. Simeon is, you know, he never shows up again. We don't know of him from history. We don't know how quickly he died after this. He's here to say what he says. He's also here to be an outsider. 
He is completely unnecessary to the story. You stop and realize that this addition is unnecessary to the story. In many ways, like you are. God doesn't need your participation in the kingdom of God to make the kingdom of God be lived out and finalized in ultimate transcendent glory. We're sort of, you know, character seven. Playing character seven, Evan Wilson. Just a stiff cardboard cut out there in the background of the kingdom of heaven. I'm really not needed. But those of us who are not needed, we are not the Mary, we are not Zachariah, we're not John the Baptist, we're not Jesus. We're just a guy in the temple. But he's the one who says something of real importance. And you see God's ministry to him. He is much more on top of it, say, than Zechariah was. Zechariah didn't believe the angel. And the angel said, okay, because you didn't believe me, you're not going to talk to the babies born. Zechariah essentially gets one upside the head from God. Just what... Simeon, on the other hand, listen to this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was, with, was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This is a guy who plays no role and God has told him he's going to see the Messiah. And he's not going to die before he sees the Messiah. And his qualifications are righteous, devout, and looking for the consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The nice thing about Simeon is he's not only like us in story participation... You have the, the, the real option of choosing to be exactly like Simeon. Righteous, devout, looking for the consolation. Looking at the horizon at, for, for God's hope. And it had been revealed to him. Oh, excuse me, I just read that. And inspired by the Spirit. Look at this. Somebody who's not a player in this story did not show up before, will not show up after, doesn't do anything that was necessary to the work of Christ. Already you know he's been talked to by the Holy Spirit. He knows he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah. And then, inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple. So day-to-day operational spirit feeling. He's been told he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah. And then he's led by the Spirit up into the temple. Now this temple is pretty much finished. Herod had started it in 19 BC. And all the major construction was done by 9 BC. And so this is about five years after this. It kept being worked on until about 60, mid-60s AD. And then it was destroyed in 70. <laughs> kind of a shame, but... But the temple's largely completed at this point. Simeon is told by God, why don't you go up to the temple? And he goes up to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, 
He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. The Holy Spirit is heavy on Simeon. And Simeon's participation is so refreshing, so contented to go to die now that he has seen the Messiah. And he's, what he says about the Messiah, you say, he's not just making up. Have you ever been asked to pray? You know, I've been asked to pray, and you know, people say, well, the vicar's here, we better ask him to pray. And you just kind of look around and say, okay, what do I, what do I pray about? What do I, what do I, and some people pray in King James English, and some people, you know, father this, father that, father, 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 just, father, father, just. I saw a great thing on the internet that has nothing to do with the sermon about what if we talk to our wives like we talk to God. And the guy was going, uh, Emily wife, oh, Emily wife, oh, dear Emily wife would, uh, and finished every phrase with Emily wife. We're stupid people. He says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to thy people Israel. That, that, that phrase, verse 32 alone, is worth the price of admission. I know you got up early. Had to make some breakfast stuff. Come down and eat it. and Try to stay awake when you're well fed. And, and the room is actually not uncomfortably uh, cold. But look at that. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. Simeon, he is on the near side of all the stuff that happens. He doesn't know. You know he can't look back and see Jesus on the cross and dying for sins and raised again. And the message to the Gentiles... He's already got the idea of revelation to the Gentiles. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. People right in the middle of the story, that's Joseph and Mary, they were picked out. They've been talking to angels, all right? Right? They've been having visions, talking to angels, visited by magi, and the angelic host singing to shepherds, coming over to their stable, saying, hi, angelic host just sent us over here. They've been seeing stuff. Simeon walking up to them in the temple, a background character who will not appear again, makes them marvel. There's something more in this Christianity stuff, that some elements of Zacharias Benedictus and certain elements of certain elements of uh, uh, the Magnificat, which are they're a blessing to, to read, but they're not telling you what you're up for with Jesus. They're telling you it's a good thing, but they're not telling you what it's up for. And Simeon comes down with salvation. Revelation to the, the nations, the, the non-Jewish non people, and a glory to the people. And Simeon turns to them and blessed them and said to Mary his mother, and then it gets dark. 
It's like walking into the temple with your, some of you have a new baby. Where's the new baby? There's a Pax back there in the back. And, and you know, mom's got the baby and they got the carrier. And you can imagine Caitlin and Phil, you know, clueless, walking up the temple steps with their tote, their baby. They know it's a big deal because it's their baby and God. It's not like Lewis or anything. And some old guy who's about ready to die, you've got, you got to get the feeling he's being hanging on, the Spirit's not letting him die, propping him up because he hasn't seen the Messiah. But God knows that within 40 days the baby's been born and he knows these devout Jews are going to come up to the temple. And so he tells Simeon, get on down to the temple. So Simeon has to get his walker out, head down to the temple. And the Disabilities Act hasn't been passed, so there's no ramps anywhere. So he's got to walk up steps. And he's, yeah, I don't know, at 90? We don't know how old Simeon is. He's ready to die. Now let thy servant depart in peace. I can go now. So an old guy walks up to you. Silly old guy grin. And he uh, blesses your child. Blesses the day that he's in. This is a great thing. Mom and dad, kind of proud. They're already a little bit overwhelmed by the whole deal anyway. They're going through the purification. That's a big deal. But they're also... They can think of the story behind them. They've just been to Egypt and back. They've been hunted by Herod. And Lewis. And they're marveling at what is being said... And then he turns to bless them, and then it gets then it gets a little weird, frankly. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against. And he looks at Mary with a kind of twitchy left eye and says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That the thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. Man, it starts to get a little, uh, get a little real. Can't we all just be sprinkling glitter on the Christmas card glue we put down and little carriages riding through the snow, cursing the people that sent you a fruitcake? Just all the you know, traditional American Christmas stuff. Wrapping paper. One grout, you know, gripey kid who didn't get quite the Lego set they wanted. Sometimes when you think about the death of Christ at the birth of Christ, when you say, he is being born so we can kill him. <laughs> that's, that's it. He is becoming man. He was already God. He didn't need to practice being other things. It was becoming man to be sympathized with us in our weakness and to die. Now we know that. We just don't ever put those stories together. And Simeon is. He's looking at the ministry of Christ. For the fall and rising of many. And the question is, is it the same people falling and rising? Is it different groups of people, those who fall and those who rise? When you think of God 
undercutting the Jewish temple worship, undercutting the power structures of the Sadducees or the Pharisees, and taking his 12 apostles and making something of them. You could tell the story, but you know that, that Simeon is holding a viewpoint that is a more realistic viewpoint. And it's a sign that is spoken against. Throughout the prophets, you have the stumbling stone that is laid in Zion. Quoted in the New Testament, that Jesus Christ is this key. The stone the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. That's our Christ. That's the storyline. It's always got a little thundercloud over it, or a big thundercloud over it. It's the wonder of God on earth, the wonder of your sins forgiven, the wonder of life eternal, through the simplicity of faith in him. You got all that, but the story has to be told in a pretty dark way. And in the story being told in a pretty dark way, a lot of people are going to do dark, dark things. People that you love, that you think are nice, are going to want to kill Jesus Christ. Probably some of Simeon's friends, people he knew and saw growing up there near the temple. Some of the young Sadducees that later on are going to have Jesus crucified. Same, same temple, same place. And he even warns Mary. And we've talked, a lot of people have talked about that warning. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Now in the Catholic world, uh, the innocence of the Virgin is, is a complete, I mean that's why uh, when people talk about the Immaculate Conception, a lot of even Catholics think they're talking about Jesus' virgin birth. They're talking about Mary's sinless birth. The Immaculate Conception is that Mary, in St. Anne, Mary's mom, um, was born without original sin. Okay, That is the Immaculate Conception. And they have to have Mary born without original sin because they can't figure out any way to have Jesus not have original sin if Mary had original sin. So she's born spotless. And then Jesus could be born truly human but not with original sin. It's, it's made up. It's not true. Mary was a sinner like you and me. Mary needed the Lord Jesus Christ like you and me. Like the apostles needed the gospel. Mary needed the gospel. Eventually, there's a sword that's going to pierce us all. This is, you say, you know, Simeon's not part of the story. The big grand narrative doesn't appear on the Christmas card. But he's the story that we're all in. Because we're all the background Gentiles anyway. We sort of joined in with the revelation to the Gentiles. We are going to hear something that is wonderful, the salvation of God, but even for someone like Simeon or Mary or Joseph, a sword's going to be leaned into their breast and it's going to be shoved right through them. Now a lot of people think it's Mary at the Passion. If you ever saw Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, which I liked as a movie, I thought it was pretty effective, it's always, you know, Mary's mom heart just being really destroyed by the death of her son. I mean, it's, it's natural that it would be. 
Is that the sword that would pierce her own soul also? But it seems like it's an also. Like that which is rising and falling in everybody in the land. Everyone's going to be hurt by this. Not like a mother is hurt by the death of her child, but like everyone is hurt who's guilty of sin. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It's not about a mom's affection. Simeon is there as a little dose of reality, a little dose that comes from the rest of us because we're not players of the deal. But we're supposed to be playing this particular thing. Are you having Jesus Christ revealed to you? I was like Simeon's place in the story. It's not productive, but he says something to us. His righteousness, his devotion, and his looking honored by the Holy Spirit so much that he says the most real thing about Jesus. The moment for John the Baptist when he's born is at his circumcision. When John is circumcised, that's when everything comes to bits and, and, and Zechariah gets his voice back. And this is after Christ's circumcision. His circumcision was 32 days earlier or something like 33 days earlier. Is Jesus Christ to you what he is to St. Simeon? The promise you've been looking for, the thing you've been seeking, your consolation, a light to your darkness, revelation to what you needed. And for those of you who were raised in very obvious Christian circumstances, all this has been around you all the time. You, you're used to the rules, you're used to the the names, you've been here, you know what a Bible is. Does Christ step into that like he does for the Jews as a glory to his people Israel? Christ is the glory of the church. And for those who have not seen, who are still the Gentiles, it's a revelation to them. But it's a matter of falling and rising. What's it going to be? It's going to be a matter of whether he's spoken against. It's going to be a matter of whether your thoughts of your heart revealed. That's what our Christianity is really about. That's what it starts to undo. We start to think about what we have been thinking about. I threw in this Hebrews 4 passage because it says a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Did that sound familiar to you? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's almost as if the writer of Hebrews had just read Luke. Because he says, Thoughts of many hearts revealed, piercing through your soul also. And look what it does with that. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and before him, the word of God. It's not just this. Jesus Christ. Look at John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was, word was with God, and the word was God. 
Jesus Christ is the word of God. This is the thing that is coming into the world, that's presence in the world, when sought, is sort of that painful joy that's satisfying to have all your sins removed from you. Stepping closer to holiness no matter how much it hurts. It's active. It's living. It's piercing. And Simeon is there to tell you all about it. There is a... That's it for Simeon. No mention. No mythology. I mean, you probably could find some early Christian myth about him at some point. If you look hard enough. But there's no... Bible stories about him. And there was a prophetess, verse 36, jumps right into the next story. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age, another walker, having lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and as a widow till she was 84. He died young, or he died while she was young. She probably got married, at, let's give it a credit of 18. Seven years, so 25, he dies. 60 years. 60 years as a widow. And she, like Simeon, doesn't say she's devout, but she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer, night and day. And coming up at that very hour, so it's almost as if well, maybe she's up there every day, so maybe this is just her time. doesn't say the spirit led her like he led Simeon. She shows up. Mom and Dad are getting a little bit, trying to clear their heads, Joseph and Mary, about this Simeon blessing. Thank you very much, Simeon. You said some interesting things. But Anna comes up, and she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. There's, there are those in the Jewish nation that were waiting, that had the consolation of Israel on their mind. The answer, what's the answer going to be? And some of you have, who think about political science issues or sociological collapse or evil in the society. You're wondering, what could possibly happen to fix this? Well, it's been worse at other times, and this was one of the times it was worse. They've been conquered by a foreign nation. They were run by the Romans. People had different views of what it should be. But there were some who were looking for that redemption. She gave thanks to God and spoke of him to everyone. I left that in there. Simeon's really the centerpiece. But Anna, I want you to be thinking in terms of measuring yourself with Simeon's matrix. Who he, what he's like, what he does. Do you agree with what he says? When we speak of Jesus Christ... An awful lot can be told of a person's place in their religion by how they speak of Jesus Christ. 
what they speak of concerning him. Have you ever talked to somebody, you wondered if they were a Christian, and they're, they're willing to talk about Christian things, and you're like, oh. Jesus Christ comes up, and it doesn't ever seem to cross their conversational moment of how thankful they are that their sins are forgiven. I mean, it seems to cross one's mind. Look at Anna here. Gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all. Anyone who's waiting for that redemption. What do you say of him? Listen to yourself. Don't make somebody else listen to you and then have to get up enough courage to come talk to you about how Jesus doesn't seem to mean much to you. Don't wait for somebody else to deal with you. You're in charge of your own life. Don't make me do things. I'm busy. I wouldn't butt into your life anyway about that. Your lack of seeking, begin seeking by thinking about whether or not Christ is to you what he seems like he ought to be to us, especially those of us filled with the Holy Spirit, that we're looking, I love that phrase of the Greeks in that one portion of the Gospels, that said, we would see Jesus. It's a great verse. These Greeks, nothing happens of it. It's a quote. And we would see Jesus. What a great reference for you. We would see Jesus. And what, what do you want to see when you see Jesus? What do you say of him? Are you thankful to the point of giving thanks? And I came up at that very moment and started giving thanks to God. If you're asked, you say, yeah, I'm thankful. Well, how come you weren't giving thanks? privately, in your own prayer closet, on your knees, you've got nothing to ask God for because you live in the richest country in the history of the world, and we're on the fringe of that world, and we have got heat pumped into our antique church. And you can go to Macy's this afternoon and shop. You've got a lot to be thankful for. We don't have a lot of needs. But in that prayer time, do you give thanks to God? Do you speak of him to all who look for that redemption? We've all waited for this. All of us, we realized we were in need. We were that Gentile that needed this revelation. We needed this consolation. It has happened now. Simeon and Anna were still going to die before Jesus got into his ministry. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. I like that. We don't have much about those intervening years in Christ's life, but he grew up well. He grew up wise, strong, with God smiling on him. The favor of God. What little you could know. If you were given somehow the lost works of somebody, say John the Baptist, who knew Jesus, because they were like cousins and you know, just a few months apart in age. And John doesn't die until Christ did his ministry. So John and Jesus, you may have might gone to camp together. They had camps. 
if you're given a book with the stories of everything Jesus did, not some fanciful, weird, you know, early Christian, I have one, you know, the Proto-Evangelium of James, I think it is, and he makes some sparrows out of mud, makes them fly, and he, uh, somebody gives him, a, some guy gives him some lips, so he kills it. Thank you, baby Jesus. Don't be like that. So the stories you're given are the true stories of Jesus. I hope you'd be interested in reading it. I hope you'd be interested in reading it. I'd be curious, yeah. I'd like to know, you know, what his dating years were like, or what his early career life was like. I mean, before we go into the ministry at about 30, what were the 20s like? They were strong, they were filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on them. We were written four books that tell you about his ministry, which you might want to become familiar with. An awful lot there about Christ for us at which we can look. Have you watched him? Would you want to watch him as he grew up? Do you want to see him in his ministry? Do you want to see him coming in glory? Do you want to see him? The incarnation allowed us to see him. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It made God's fullness present. It's an important deal. And we need to get it like Simeon got it. We need to get it like Anna got it. Merry Christmas. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. You've been merciful to us each in our sins. Help us live inside that dark thrill of what it is to know your son. That still today he is set for the rising and falling of many. That he's revealing the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That he's piercing people. Many don't like it. Thank you, Lord, that we did. We turn to him in faith. Thank you for sending him to the earth. In your son's name, amen.